0: Hey everyone, Um, here we are in episode seven of Slice of Life Sciences. Um, I'm excited to have Corey Rahim joining me today. Corey, I hope I said your last name right. Um, Corey is the VP and head of people at uh, 5am Ventures and 459 NUCO, which is a a 5am Ventures company. So Corey, um, thank you for taking the time to chat with us today. I appreciate it. I thought, given how competitive uh, the life science industry is um, in hiring in Boston, but just in general, um, today's conversation would make for a really interesting chance to hear about your experiences, um, what's keeping you busy today, and just what led you to where you are today, given your career path. So does that sound good? Sounds great. Awesome. Um, Well, why don't we just kick things off by just learning a little bit about you? then we'll dive in. So have you always worked in biotech or what led you to get an opportunity, your first opportunity in the life science world?
1: Yeah, um, I've always worked in life sciences Uh, early in my career. I actually worked at a company that made dental implants, oddly enough, um, which was considered a medical device. So we had FDA and regulatory requirements for our product. Um, and in short, what we did is manufacture and create, uh, you know, a product that would help uh, restore someone's confidence and their smile. So I got to see a lot of patient stories um, from younger folks to seniors. You know, teeth are actually really important. So uh, it was a niche field and, and got to see a lot. Um, and during my time there, I actually, the reason I joined was because of the VP of HR, who ended up being someone who really connected with during the interview. Um, it'll be a theme in my career. Um, I've always joined companies um, because of specific people and um, kind of helped, they've helped mentor me. So that person did exactly that. Um, I ended up earning a a few rounds of promotions and and really kind of dived into the world of HR as my first official job uh, after graduating from undergrad. Um, And then in terms of kind of next pivots, I ended up going to to Novartis. I wanted to go to a a global place where I could see even broader uh, impact for patients outside of the dental field. Um, so I got to see, you know, really, you know, what an enterprise and kind of global force biopharma can be. Um, I took the job at Novartis, not just because of that, but really because of the person who recruited me. Um, so my first manager really was someone who role modeled and uh, taught me about what servant leadership could be. So really supportive, the development was always in mind, um, and again, uh, had a lot of fun and learned a lot along the way, um, you know, at being at those two places. So, in short, I've always been in you know, organizations that have had a, a connection to patients.
0: And having relationships helps you join one of those companies with with someone in particular. So that's interesting. At um, Novartis, I know you oversaw the, the HR function for a couple of um, research organizations and served on the leadership team, um, just in general, what or high-level, what were some of the program initi- initiatives that you put in place that kind of started building leadership s- skills across the organizations?
1: Yeah, I'd say looking back, the, the initiatives I'm most proud of are really the ones that we took with career development. Um, in the neuroscience group in particular, one of our results ended up being putting tools and frameworks in place so basically, every single person in the organization would have had a what we call the quality career conversation with their manager. And by quality, I meant one where there'd be actually a dialogue and both sides of the, you know, would come prepared for the conversation. And there are some concrete steps planned um, afterwards. So I think so often we think about career development it can be a checkbox exercise. Let's do a training. Let's just, you know, say we've done this. But we made sure to really clarify what it would look like. And then related to this, the other thing I'm really proud of is just um Using the power of storytelling to help really inspire and motivate other teams about what career development is. So what we did is, in practice, put together some really great panels of scientists at various levels, um, and had them share their career stories. It's like so often I think people feel the pressure to move up the career ladder or into management, you know, even when their heart may not be in it. Um, but when we had a scientist talk about their job shadow in, in business development and strategic alliances or a leadership team member talk candidly about how they've also questioned, you know, what their next move would be. Um, there's a lot of power in that vulnerability. Um, so I think those are some things that, again, just kind of opening up those conversations and in a really you know, simple way. Um, there's a lot of impact there.
0: Yeah. Um, and you were there for, what, five years or so at Novartis? Just about, Yeah. Um, So after Novartis, I know you, I always find this interesting that you became an early employee at a much earlier stage company, but growing quite rapidly in Relay Therapeutics. Um, Out of curiosity, I assume it was much different in a lot of ways than a large, large pharma like Novartis. Um, But what motivated the transition, and, and I assume maybe a relationship came into place, but um, I guess what were some of the things you learned um being the head of talent acquisitions when you started at relay versus your current or previous role at Novartis?
1: Yeah, I'd say it was so different, and just like every role I've taken, um you know, there was a couple of folks that are behind my move. um I will admit the first time they asked me, um, my answer is like, no, I'm pretty happily employed at Novartis, and um then I remember kind of thinking back over, I think it was like Thanksgiving time and just um, really reflecting on, you know, a startup and how I wanted to spend my time. So I guess long story short, I did some soul searching and um, I went to lunch with, uh, you know, some folks at the time just to kind of explore. And then I got to meet the CEO who's still leading Relay today. And honestly, it was really, um, you know, a big, the CEO, Sanjeev Patel, um, was a big part of why I wanted to join because um the way he talked about people in HR um, and how he really saw our function as a, a partner to helping, you know, really uh, leverage the organization, you know, build teams, and and it wasn't just a transactional type of role um, that really resonated with me. Um, it felt very different, and I could also sense that, uh, you know, I'd have some creative freedom, which is also very exciting after coming from a a big place. So those kind of, all those things fell into place. And when I joined, um, I ended up having a ton of runway, um, in terms of being able to build and and do some fun stuff. Um, you know, from creating a really differentiated candidate experience, um, in the early days, we would, uh, you know, ask this really mysterious question on our job applications. And one of them would be like, what's your favorite candy bar? And so when we would actually have someone that came in to interview, uh, In the early days of the company, I would go down to the bodega where I was living, get a Kit Kat, get a Twix, and that would be waiting um, for someone when they came in. And the reason we did this is because you know we were being very stealthy about the targets we were working on. Um, you know, we didn't have a lot uh, to say about the portfolio; we we're still preclinical. But what we had was a really amazing team, and so details really mattered. Like all of this kind of you know hung together and resonated with the culture. So the fact that you know there was something that personalized for again, this is very early days of the company. It really wowed some folks. You know, I still got emails and texts. You know, someone flew across the country, they're like, man, I reached into my pocket, that Kit Kat you gave us, you know, um, you know, was in my pocket on my ride home. Like that was like a really nice touch. You know, some of these people obviously didn't end up hiring them, but, you know, for us, every interaction with a candidate that was an opportunity to build the brand and everyone we wanted them to walk away wanting to work there um so that was something that you know was easy um <laughs> makes a recruiter's job very easy when the team is so aligned um you know and creating that amazing experience so um yeah I had a lot of fun just some of the quirky things uh, I also moonlated as their social media lead um just because I had an interest and in, um Yeah, a lot, a lot of creative freedom that probably like looking back now that I've kind of been on the other side and seen a company build a few times. I can't believe they gave me that much freedom, (laughs) but um, yeah, lots of fun, I'd say in the early days.
0: Was that kind of the first time you had the ability to challenge typical HR processes and, and took the reins that way?
1: I think so. You know, I got to do a little bit of that at Novartis. Um, Novartis is an amazing place. I think the best thing I learned there is just how to treat people, how to be a great leader. Um, You know, the tough part about being in a bigger place is you're usually rolling out someone else's idea or initiative. Um, But yeah, here at Relay, I got to do just I would have an idea like the candy bar thing just came to you. I'm like, how can we make something personal happen Um, and really think about every moment and every detail? So I think that was just Yeah, I just got kind of addicted to being able to like just ideate and quickly, you know, test things out. And even as the company scaled, um, you know, I had the fortunate I was very fortunate to work under a number of great like HR leaders. And um, I remember the last one I had, um, Andy Porter had mentioned like, like, we're just going to experiment. You know, we're going to try things out. You know, some things are going to work and then we'll just keep iterating. So. Um, that mindset has been really helpful, especially in the startup world. Like you can't wait till something is, you know, fully baked. Like you have to be, have a bias to action. And I think that's what I just love about working with these early companies is because you can um, be a lot more creative and, um, you know, do some things that you just normally wouldn't do at, at more mature places.
0: Yeah. What's, what's the hardest, I guess, part of working for a company that's scaling so rapidly? I assume you have tons of different hats to wear every single day so what do you have just a bunch of day-to-day roles that fall under your actual title and and I guess what's the hardest part to keep up with we're hiring we're hiring we're hiring
1: yeah I definitely have a variety of roles um you know that's part of who I am I just thrive on kind of being able to do something different and, and switch mindsets and um kind of flex what we have done is build a great team across 459. So, you know, it, there is a couple folks that work under me, whether they're recruiting or HR ops, um, to help, you know, get everything done. But just taking a step back, the biggest or the toughest part about being, uh, you know, early stage for anyone, and it's the answer that I give to every candidate, is uh, amplification. So, what I mean by that is when something is great, like it's exciting. That first data set, the first time you move into a new space, maybe the first C-suite hire, first whatever. That's all awesome and you feel it. Um, Whereas if that happens to you at a bigger place, you know, it's just, you don't feel as close to it perhaps. And then the hard stuff, you know, first person that leaves the company, you know, first data that really fails, that stuff is really, really hard. Um, But my favorite first is really when you hear, especially when you're working on, um, you know, drug development, you hear that first patient dose profile, you know, the person who's received your therapy um, as you become a clinical company, um, I still kind of get chills thinking about what it felt like when our CMO read that um, at Relay when we were able to kind of progress our program. So, to me, that's just the most magical part. And I know it, there's always a ton more work after that, but um, when your therapy actually can get to someone who needs it, um, that's that's why it, it just it never gets old. It's just so electrifying.
0: Yeah, and you and you just uh, mentioned 459 briefly, but just so to take, I guess, a, a step back and lead us into to what you're doing today. So how'd you get connected to five AM and four fifty nine? And and out of curiosity, was taking that early stage experience and the ability to work with multiple companies at once, was that kind of a dream opportunity for what everything you just mentioned?
1: Yeah, I'd say, you know, the way I got connected is um been really fortunate to meet a lot of, you know, great folks throughout my career and I love to pay it forward to help be generous with my time and, and nurture the connections. And uh, Deb Palastrant, she's a partner and the head of our uh, incubator here 459. We worked together at Relay, um, ended up being reconnected to her last year and what, you know, ended up being kind of a, you know, what, how do you think about career development like how did you decide what to do next but before I knew it she was basically mapping out what would be my dream job is doing you know all the things I love to do um, across multiple companies so kind of just having broader impact um, and going a step early which I had never done so um, I thought I could work at relay forever <laughs> whereas like you know until it was over and I would be happy to do that but What ended up happening is uh, getting the job at 5 a.m. was something that I knew I would regret doing. So I just knew it was time for me to leave um, and start something new.
0: And for those that don't know, do you want to just give a quick overview of 5 a.m. and then maybe 4.59 after?
1: Yeah. Um, so 5 a.m., you know, we're investing in life science companies, um, you know, really care about having an impact for patients. And 459, um, you know, rightfully named as early stage. So even earlier than some of the, you know, companies you can see at our portfolio and our website. Um, but what we do is really want to think about, you know, what's something that could really advance a field, um, you know, reach our goal of impacting patients. Um, could be technology, you know, a new modality, um, new therapy, biological um, you know, but we really think about, um, you know, strong scientific foundations and fundamentals. And so that's what our incubator is all about. We help, you know, stand up a company around an idea. Um, my favorite is working with first time entrepreneurs and founders. You know, um, I think they are so brilliant, but also a lot of the ones we get to work with have never done it before. So being with them through some of those firsts has been, um, just a privilege and an honor to kind of see them, um, get excited and, um, get on the the adventure that is building a company.
0: And for the early, the early, really early stage companies, I imagine the, the foundational piece of building out a team is, is obviously super important in the early days. Did, have you found that this, you, you have to put an even larger emphasis on, on this than previously in your career?
1: Um, I actually think yes, because, you know, when you're hiring the second or third person after your founding team, you're just setting the bar for everything else. So if you're not going to be, you know, really deliberate and really clear on, you know, the type of culture and type of um, environment you want to build, if there is that hasn't been even just have some broad strokes on what you're looking for, it's going to be hard. So, um, yeah, having the team and just how that can really almost make or break, you know, your ability to be successful um you know get people rallied around your vision um all of that is just super it becomes even more important because you're so
0: early and in the past two years i imagine put or this was even more relevant but how has it been building that culture especially when a lot of folks are virtual or hybrid at different locations
1: yeah. Uh, candidates ask me this question all the time. I point to some of our companies that have been to superstars and like working in this, you know, hybrid environment. And I don't think there really is hybrid is just, I think, another word for being remote first. So putting, you know, information that, you know, making it accessible and inclusive and, and using, you know, tools like Slack and um, thinking about asynchronous versus synchronous communication, like all these things are super critical. Um, and we definitely have spent time with our teams and talking about, you know, even just when would you use, you know, an email or a Slack communication or, you know, should this be a Zoom call or not? Like these sound like very basic questions, but, you know, if companies aren't asking themselves these, they're, you know, you're just going to be continuing to operate, you know, pre-pandemic in a pan- you know, post-pandemic world, which is just going to be Extremely hard. So, um, I think in terms of culture, like it sounds silly, but a lot of the culture is virtual, whether it's like, you know, some of the photos or Slack channels we've created for our teams. um, There's lots of banter. You can always, you know, I can't kind of tell what's going on in terms of all of our companies when you kind of jump into each of their workspaces, and you can just see a lot of collaboration happening that way. Um, But we're excited that, you know, I think with restrictions lifting cases going down. Um, we'll be able to have some more in-person events, which is just so important in early research. So,
0: do you, I know, I know, five a.m. and four fifty-nine are obviously very hands-on. Do you guys take operating roles for a certain amount of time within a yeah. portfolio company's yeah. life cycle? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, the thing about five a.m., you know, we're working on anywhere from three to six companies and incubating them. But what that means is, you know, we're not a gigantic machine. So what you'll get is the high touch, like really. Um, you know, support from us. So I'm effectively, you know, helping, you know, build talent across a few different companies. Um, There's always, you know, a partner that's going to be, you know, supporting the, you know, the C-suite or first-time CEO or founders, um, you know, from basically could be six months to a year before the company raises their A or launches. Um, And then we always put a foundation in place so that, you know, when they need to hire their own version of me or legal or, you know, science or person like we have that in place, so we we support companies from the beginning and then also after they graduate out of our incubator. But yeah, our partners and investment team, um, super hands on. You know, even mentoring folks after you know the fact whether it's leaders and um, just being really generous with their time because we think that really matters to you know the teams and companies that we're building.
0: So do you do you typically work with three to six companies or so at any given time?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: with yes does your role flex with each company or do you have the same i guess it
1: does because they're all in different spaces you know like we have companies that have launched you know or started in the last year or even you know are beginning to you know we'll have stuff in the pipeline so they're all they'll have different needs and every founding team is different they'll have their own personality their own culture it truly is you know not the same so They'll need different things, you know. You might have a first-time entrepreneur who, you know, needs a lot more support. Is going to have probably more questions and might lean on us more. There, you might be working with, you know, some folks who've done it and they have their rolodex and, um, you know, we, they might need us for, you know, how can we think about compensation or some other things. We need a lab space. Um, so it just depends. So that's the fun of it. Um, and also very challenging to prioritize, but we get it done. So
0: what did, I I assume this this response has no. One answer, obviously, but from your experience, what are some of the most successful cultures you've seen and built from an attraction and retaining of talent standpoint? Is there a common denominator? Mm
1: -hmm. Yes, I think it has to be aligned with, you know, when the leadership has a vision and they can communicate that where it is in alignment with the rest of the organization, so whether it's, you know, at, at Relay and I think one of our seeds now, you know, this thoughtful, deliberate, like really being mindful of like all the little details um, is something that matters. And that's how we talk about it in the interview experience. So all the things have to be um, in harmony. When they're not, then it becomes very difficult to one recruit because the candidates aren't hearing the same messages. Then they come in the door. It's not the company that I, you know, had heard about. So I think just the alignment and and clear communication is super key. Um, And it's always going to evolve, but there has to be kind of a North Star, what matters. Um, So I think that's something that whatever your, you know, thing or vision or what, you know, the culture is, it just has to be aligned from kind of head to tail through the organization. Um, Otherwise, it's going to be really challenging for many reasons.
0: I see we're coming up on time, but... I, I, I guess, final question, what, what excites you most about what you're building and what you have coming up?
1: Um, yeah, I'd say just the relationships that we get to build with some of our founding teams. You know, it's super, um, you know, it's high touch. We get to get, you know, like I think I mentioned uh, last week, we had some uh, some teams that are moving into their new lab space. Just getting to celebrate those milestones with them. Um and again, we have a lot of the five AM team in four fifty nine. We have weekly updates of all, so we get to hear the progress of the company. So, just knowing some of the folks and building personal relationships, and and seeing you know them go from basically an idea where you're sitting, just kind of hearing about something to this is an actual company with a logo, and you know they're really growing up pretty quickly. Um, that progress is just you know really rewarding to see.
0: That's great. Do you still do the candy bar for potential hires? <sighs> Not right now. We had to <laughs> phase it out during new... <laughs> COVID. Yeah, but I
1: think there's definitely, there's always something I'm kind of ideating on and what we could do next to kind of really push the boundary. So, might revive that one.
0: It's <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Corey. Um, really enjoyed chatting. And thanks for taking the time to jump on.
1: Thanks, Dave.